to dive into the latest news and updates from the Vegas Golden Knights. This is Nighttime at Noon on Fox Sports Las Vegas. It is Studio 31 starting the week off right uh, with you. Uh, looking forward to this one. Darren Millard along with Brian McCormick, the voice of the Henderson Silver Knights, and a couple of times the uh, voice of the Vegas Golden Knights uh, joining us here uh, for nighttime at noon. We're going to get through all of the All-Star weekend festivities, a little debrief on that front, and uh, also look ahead to what's happening uh, coming up for the Vegas Golden Knights in the month of February as the, uh, the schedule will include a couple of little spurts of action, including this week in Edmonton and Calgary. Uh, next week, you've got three games in, in five nights, and then you get a couple of little uh, pauses in between. But uh, All-Star Weekend, second NHL All-Star Weekend for you. Yeah. What was uh, what was your takeaway as you went through the whole gamut of it? It was so much fun. I, and we said beforehand, uh, and it wasn't just because we were trying to funnel people to All-Star Weekend, but I was like, take advantage of this because you don't realize until it's over what a unique opportunity it is to, to be standing five feet away from NHL legends while they're standing five feet away from NHL legends. Skills competition and the game are fun, but I think I think fanfare was one of the things that was a real opportunity with the, the all the, the Hockey Hall of Fame hardware that was available. Uh, you got to talk to a lot of interesting people, as you always do. I got to talk to some people on Sunday as well, but uh, I, I had friends in, in my childhood who would go with their dad on father-son uh, all-star trips. Mm. And I was like, sounds like fun. Why wouldn't it sound like fun? Now at my age, I don't have kids, but at my age, this is the first time I got hit with the full gamut of, of nostalgia, where the, the legends of my childhood are now my dad's age. And seeing them interact with one another, it's, it's a cool time to realize that, you know, Chris Chelios to me is what probably Bobby Orr was to my dad when I was 12. So to, to be able to stand in a room with... Uh, a lot of history in terms of the hardware, but also, you know, I, I got to see Chris Chelios and Paul Coffey. They were having a conversation. That's the most talented four square feet in the world at that given moment. Uh, so, so that's what I really Did you enjoyed. Join the conversation. Oh, it was so. And then add up all the Norris trophies between the three of you. It was dizzying, you know. I, I and I didn't hold up my end of the bargain. I, I, I contributed nothing. Uh, but it's so so interesting, and uh, that was one of the really cool things. You see the the talent of today, the talent that's coming with again, you know, Trevor Zegers was one of the big conversation points of the weekend. Jack Hughes as well. Um, but you also the old and and the new all at once and in such a, a really a laid-back setting for all the, the ammunition that the NHL puts into it. It really, really cool. So I hope everyone took advantage of it. Uh, I thought that it was amazing in speaking to people from around the league and, and Canada who were able to come down uh, and how refreshed they were and invigorated yeah. they were to get uh, a sense of normalcy, that yep. this was uh, progress in the grand scheme of things. There was media talking to players uh, without being on Zoom. There was uh, fan fest. There was uh, alumni being around. Everybody was able to uh, interact uh, in, in a normal fashion, and just that uh, that breath of fresh air from fans to alumni to players to coaches uh, was a big step, I think, as we embark in the second half. I think it's also important, too, because we're all looking, learning as we go, but we're year two of COVID now, and things look like they're starting to trend in a better direction, at least in terms of case numbers or whatnot. But at some point, we are going to have to find a normal, and how do you do that? Well, you look for small opportunities, and this was a weekend that we couldn't have last year. We had it this year, very successful. Yes, there are going to be a couple of guys in protocol now, and that, that could have happened anywhere. But the point being is 
it was important to demonstrate that you're capable of having a weekend like this. And like you said, I think refreshing is the perfect point for it because now uh, the All-Star weekend, it reminds you of what, it, what it's great for. The festivities for what they are. Yeah. And then it's the perfect break point for the season because now you turn ahead and look at the calendar and you don't have the conversation point of like, well, players are, uh, teams are off to hot starts. Or up until this point, the standings almost seem, I don't want to say like meaningless, but we say the season's a marathon, right? You have guys who get out to great starts, guys who have terrible starts, and everyone else is kind of just drafting, just kind of just surviving, keep, keep, keeping in it, hanging staying in, in it, yeah. stay in arm's reach. And after this weekend, well, now we have a quantifiable countdown to the trade deadline. Now we are, we're right at that point where we're like, oh, we can actually start aligning teams and jockeying and who has to make moves, who has to do something. The, the, the Norris Trophy and Hart Trophy races seem much more quantifiable now. So what a great break point for enjoyment. But now we can really put some context to the rest of the calendar. And as you said, for the VGK, it jumps right in with divisional matchups. It's nighttime at noon on all the Vegas Golden Knights social media channels. Uh, looking forward to chatting with Sean Shapiro from The Athletic in just a little bit. And he'll bring us the outsider's point of view of uh, his experience in Las Vegas during the NHL All-Star Weekend because he was able to go all over the place from Fanfare to T-Mobile to Dollar Loan Center. Uh, he was out at uh, the Dollar Loan Center and, and got a great tour of that facility in Henderson. And we'll, we'll lean on him to see exactly where this puts Vegas in the NHL uh, hierarchy because there's been some talk that it was so successful this weekend that it may lead to some other events a little sooner than we may have uh, thought otherwise. So we'll lean on him in just a little bit. I want to bring you the update from practice today, but for the Vegas Golden Knights as they return to the ice at City National Arena, and it was uh, an extensive group, Brian, that was out there. You had 15 forwards and 8 defensemen and 2 goaltenders. The the biggest uh, group that we've had since training camp uh, for the Vegas Golden Knights, certainly the healthiest group that we've had since training camp. Uh, The only omission was Zach Whitecloud, who Pete DeBoer uh, revealed to us uh, in his availability afterwards, has a broken foot, will not uh, be on the road trip this week. But uh, with 15 forwards, uh, that included Jack Eichel in a regular colored sweater. He was skating on what you'd call the fifth line today. Uh, But he's out of his non-contact sweater. And uh, Alec Martinez was also on the ice. Eichel and Martinez... Uh, doesn't sound like they'll play this week, mm-hmm. but uh, they are practicing with the full grip. So uh, really, coming out of the All-Star break, significant uh, transition for the Golden Knights, lineup-wise. Yeah, and, and of course, Jack Eichel getting him at this. We just talked about the trade deadline being a couple a few weeks away. Who's going to make a better addition at this point of the season than the VGK are adding Jack Eichel in? Um, and I guess what, what the interesting thing will be, I don't know if Pete uh, had spoke to this at all. Again, Jack Eichel's full contact now. What kind of runway does he now need to get into to game shape? He's, because, of course, he's going to reestablish his ability to take contact and get used to that element again. But, you know, you hear people say, say again? He did touch on that. Okay, so how long is he? Uh, he just mentioned that uh, today was the first day in a regular sweater. means uh, he can do contact. So he went out before the full practice uh, on rink B and took some uh, body contact uh, from Alec Martinez. So okay. they went through uh, a, a, an initiation of uh, man welcome on man. back. Yeah, so, <laughs> so man, I'm, and we're not talking like coming through the neutral zone here. Sure. Whacking them. We have two guys who need to learn how to bump into people again. Yeah. You two, go bump yeah, into go, each go, other. Go, go. <laughs> but, but, but more probably board work and uh, and checking and, and pushing up against the, the wall and, and just that that 
physical interaction sure. that he hasn't felt. But Pete did say uh, this is the first time in, in more than a year yeah. that Jack Eichel has been in that situation where he's been taking body contact. So it will be a gradual ramp up uh, to the point that uh, that he's prepared to put him into a game. Right. Because- what that means is, then the key word there is gradual. Sure. And so I, I would say, think that uh, like seven days is an eternity in our world right. uh, when you're talking about uh, about uh, taking steps in a practice. It, it There was no number given there, but uh, it's not going to be this week that he's ready to return to the lineup. Because people may realize, but may not as well, uh, it's a conditioning factor as well. Like, yeah. Oh, he's been skating. He's been working hard. His lungs are where they need to be. That may very well be. But when people start bumping into you, you tire out a lot quicker. So it's not just going to be like, uh, okay, uh, Jack and, and Alec have uh, have collided three days in a row. How do they feel? No pain. Great. Yeah. It's also going to be a part of, okay, you've been skating. That's good. Now you got to skate through things. Now you got to skate through uh, the, the, the attrition that, that wears you down over the course of, we're talking about Jack Eichel, probably you know in the neighborhood of 20 to 22 minutes a night. So that, that's part of what the growth back is too. It's, it's not just taking contact. It's working through contact. The second half of practice, they were on the uh, man advantage. Uh, and working on penalty killing and the power play. And Jack Eichel made this move at the top of the blue line and uh, deked around a defender. And everybody, I was standing with Nighty and Gosher and England, and everybody just went, whoa. Like it just, <laughs> he just like pulled it back and around the defender, and off he went. And it was one of those, not anybody else can do that. Like, there's he's the only person on the ice that can do that. And that's not a, uh, any type of uh, commentary on the others. It's just such a top 10 player in the world move. I, I think it also, it, you know, it kind of parallels. This happened a couple couple weeks ago, uh, but it's stuck in my mind that, you know, we haven't had the Jack Eichel, Connor McDavid side-to-side conversation as much as we probably thought we would after the draft, mm-hmm. not to directly compare the two, but because – Jack went to Buffalo, and and in addition to the injuries, also just wasn't a lot to celebrate in Buffalo. He was fantastic, but it's not like his team was on uh, center stage every night. Um, Connor McDavid, two weeks ago, he was doing a drill in practice, uh, like weaving around cones or something, and he ran into the cone. And you just heard someone online go, oh, my God, he's human. And everyone <laughs> cracks up. But that's something that, you know, when we talk about Jack Eichel's impact, we look at the numbers. That's evidence enough. Yeah. I don't know how many people remember or have seen him play on a regular basis enough going back a year that he will he will do a lot of things that are just wow dynamic. And when you get a, a, a crowd of NHL people who've been around the game for twenty years to stand up and say, "Wow, that's that's the unteachable element," but that's also the game breaking element, and that's what's going to be great about Jack Eichel is the the numbers are going to implement themselves and impact the game the way they impact the game. But he's going to be the guy that's going to be able to make a, a game-changing, game-breaking play in the third period that you're just not going to be able to defend against. And the play today, he's out of the non-contact jersey. Not that anybody's going to hit him because uh, that would be career-limiting. They, they could decision. have. <laughs> they could have. Who's so, brave? So, you, so you're not just uh, looking up seeing a big red sweater that uh, a beacon, like, stay away, stay away. So I think there's a, a little bit more validity to, to what he did today. Uh, Alec Martinez, there was also uh, an update given on the veteran defenseman, and Pete DeBoer said there's positive steps for his return. Uh, he's been in the regular colored sweater uh, for a while, but there has been some setbacks in the words uh, of Pete DeBoer, a couple of setbacks, including one from COVID. So uh, there's there's positive news from Alec Martinez being out there with the guys. 
but he's not quite in the category of game time decision just yet. Yeah. You want Alec Martinez in your lineup. Of course, every team wants Alec Martinez in their lineup. What What is a positive for the VGK, and this conversation goes back to really the start of the season, all the injuries that they dealt with and, and the COVID situations that every team dealt with, but they've done a good job on the back end. They wow. they can make sure Alec Martinez comes back when he's 100% and feels better than he's ever felt. They don't need to rush him back. You know, I, I, have, has Ben Hutton been – way more than you thought he was going to be when he came in. He's been, I think he's been incredibly steady compared to what when they brought him in. You thought, oh, maybe they're just trying to patch More up. impactful in the offensive zone than I ever Yeah, thought. yeah. And, and that's, you know, he's he's been a dependable mm-hmm. option. They brought Daniil Miramanov up on numerous occasions, so much so that, you know, when they brought him up, like, okay, maybe he'll get a turn. Well, no, they bring him up all the time now. I, I think there's enough depth on the bench that, again, you want Alec Martinez back because you want him playing over 20 minutes a night. But the fact that there's a setback or two, you don't have to rush it. You don't have to push it. Uh, and the VGK, especially looking where they stand in the division right now, is some of the teams that were hot at the start tapered back a little bit. This, it's a comfortable position for the Golden Knights to to let Alec Martinez come back the right way. I want to know the person that Brian McCormick talked to during the course of this weekend that he was most thrilled about meeting and being able to uh, pick their brain and be able to have a conversation with. Uh, that's to come. Also, the lines today at practice. We'll give you the breakdown on that because there's some interesting uh, configurations that Pete DeBoer trotted out there. And uh, we'll also get to Sean Shapiro next as we talk about the impact of the NHL All-Star Game on the National Hockey League, uh, it being in Vegas, and what it means moving forward to uh, for Vegas, uh, but uh, be the first to experience a whole new era of Big West basketball. Gather your friends and pack the brand new Dollar Loan Center in Henderson, Nevada for the 2022 Hercules Tires Big West Basketball Championships presented by the Hawaiian Islands. 20 men's and women's teams take to the court March 8th through 12th month away, fighting to take the Big West to the next level. Order now at thedollarloancenter.com slash Tickets. Or call 702-645-4259. Has Vegas moved up the list of cities to host some significant events moving forward? That could be the impact of a highly successful NHL All-Star Weekend. Sean Shapiro from The Athletic is next on Nighttime at Noon on Fox Sports Las Vegas. We're back to Nighttime at Noon on your home for the Vegas Golden Knights, Fox Sports Las Vegas. Fox Sports Las Vegas, nighttime at noon. Your weekly check-in with the Vegas Golden Knight broadcasters, Darren Millard, Brian McCormick here as the Golden Knights embark on a two-game trip to Alberta facing the Edmonton Oilers tomorrow, and then it's the Calgary Flames on Wednesday. Note the start times are a little different. Uh, 6 o'clock Pacific time tomorrow, and then 6.30 uh, Pacific time on Wednesday. Uh, This would have been way better when... They are actually scheduled because Calgary and Edmonton were both skidding at the time. Right. Uh, as we get ready for coming out of the All-Star break, uh, this is more similar to the old Battle of Alberta uh, tour where you go through and, and both teams are juggernauts. Not ready to call them that just yet, but uh, Edmonton certainly turned uh, around or stopped the bleeding, and Calgary's been great lately. Yeah, yeah. And you know, it's both again, both fell down the list a little bit after great starts. 
Calgary was interesting. I think Calgary got out of the gates better than people anticipated. But then you look back and, okay, for them to maintain that level of what they were doing in the first month and a half of the season, you're asking uh, Elias Lindholm and uh, Andrew Mangiapane to play at a goal-per-game pace for the entire season. That's not really realistic. So there's going to be a little bit of leveling off there. For Edmonton, it was going to be so much revolved around, can they fix goaltending? Um, and those are two teams I'm, I'm interested to see. How does the all-star break, the, the stop in the schedule, and the – the context added to the the rest of the runway we have here are those two teams that benefit from it and from getting up back to neutral again. Uh, and again, for Edmonton, it's probably on paper the most talented team in the world. Uh, that's, a, that's a tough first draw out of the All-Star break for Vegas without question. Uh, but Vegas has just been able to flip that switch whenever they've been challenged. The, the four-game road trip uh, going out east to New York uh, off the game against Boston – they were able to raise the level of the game. That four-game road trip, Washington, Carolina, and the two Florida teams, they were able to turn it up a notch. Uh, I think this uh, falls into a similar category. Pete DeBoer was asked, like, does he have a better scouting report on these two teams after coaching Dreisaitl and McDavid and Johnny Goudreau uh, on the course of the weekend? And his response was, uh, none of those all-stars got, out of, got it out of first gear. <laughs> so, he's, if, if there's a, a 50% effort, overtime yeah. three on three he's gonna know what to do but yeah. uh you know what I, I wonder too again for like you said for for dry mcdavid it wasn't a taxing weekend for them in terms of on ice activity on uh, ice right yeah uh, i'm sure they they saw the sights uh but for alex petrangelo jonathan marshall so uh, well, maybe not Jonathan Marshall. He actually did have to travel for All-Star yeah, right. Weekend. But for everyone else, I mean, it was probably as much of a, a down-low, relaxing weekend as it can be. Like they, they might be more rested than, than the guys who had to you know, hop on a plane, have a very busy PR weekend, and then hop back into regular season action again. Uh, a sign that Connor McDavid is aware of the situation, though, is uh, Pete uh, passed along this interaction with the Oilers captain. In their final goodbyes, it was a good, like, kind of like kibitzing, a good uh, catch up. See, and uh, the final words from Connor is, uh, "We'll see you in a couple of days." Right. And like, very aware of what's coming up uh, in the second half of the season, who Connor McDavid is playing uh, out of the gate, and the importance of that's a big game for both teams. Uh, one, uh, Edmonton uh, would like to keep that perfect run against Vegas going. Uh, the other part is Vegas would like to get uh, a win and keep Edmonton uh, at, at arm's length. And just the, the whole matchup of two teams that uh, that are coming off uh, pretty impressive stretches going into the All-Star break. For sure. Now, I should know, and I don't off the top of my head, what is the uh, the arena capacity going to be in Alberta? Is it zero or is it's it? It's 50%. It is 50%, okay. And But no food and beverage sales. Okay. That's why you're not going. That's why I'm not going. Fair enough. Yeah, <laughs> and it has nothing to do with the food. It, so, and, and that's, you know, to, to what extent are all these Canadian teams going to have to readjust to, to atmosphere again? I mean, they all seem like they enjoyed For some of them, it seemed like that's one of the things they enjoyed about this weekend, too, was a full-blown normal event, but playing in front of a crowd. So is going into Edmonton and Calgary going to be weird? Uh, is that game going to have the same tenor of what we'll see if we see them again play in, a, in higher stakes in April? Um, I, I agree. It's going to be big. It's going to be good for a, a VGK team that not only have they raised their level against uh, teams in, in those kinds of road trips, the, the, the road trip out east, what they did in Florida, um, but also just what can they do to contain top offensive talent? You know, for for the Vegas Golden Knights, the way it's been, they get great offensive production from their big guns, but it's a team that is going to definitely rely on its ability to stifle 
the top offensive talent across the way. So, again, we're moving into that second stretch of the season. What can they do right off the bat with, uh, you know, here's the two best offensive players in the world. What can you do to stop them? Uh, because we're live on the air and communication is important. Uh, Darren Millard, Brian McCormick uh, chatting with you uh, on the uh, microphone and in front of the cameras. Uh, Floyd and Chris, uh, just let us know when Sean is available. And we'll we'll bring him in because uh, we want to make sure we maximize our time with Sean Shapiro from the Athletic. But games uh, actually do resume today. Like that's a that's a quick, quick turnaround, turnaround. Uh, yeah. coming out. Of, considering most thought that they were getting three weeks off, right? Uh, because of the Olympic Winter Games in Beijing. But there is uh, there is action today between Carolina, Toronto, New Jersey, Ottawa. Uh, a couple of games on the docket. And there are teams getting a bye week mm-hmm. of sorts. Like everyone's going to get some extended break during what would have been this Olympic break. Uh, but, uh, yeah, playing the, the next day after the All-Star festivities, that's 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 a tough draw. Because even, even myself, like, you get a bit of a hangover feeling, not a literal hangover feeling, although some might. But, you know, when I was leaving Fanfare yesterday, you just feel all dwindling down. It's kind of like that sun. It's like your last yeah. day on vacation, and yeah. mom and dad are loading the car, and you're like, i got to go back to school tomorrow. It kind of had that feeling to it. So I wouldn't be surprised if anyone who got to be a part of this weekend was a little bit like, <sighs> I'm Tell not, me you've had a vacation since I'm you packed in the station wagon. Uh, like as an adult, you've had a good vacation I, or two. I, I like being here, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, speaking of being here, all the sweaters around town. So it was cool. Awesome. That was one of my favorite things, too. And it's it's so uh, – it reminds you – sweaters and all – I also met, especially at Fanfare, a lot of collectors who brought mm. – a bunch of things. There's a guy who had a Chelios poster that was in the original Saran wrap from 1992 or, or maybe earlier. Was it a Chicago poster or a Montreal poster? The point is, like, a lot of memorabilia comes out for this for this thing, and it shows just kind of the eclectic fanhood of the NHL. Um, and also just the fact it reminds you, there's a lot of people out there that have some really cool stuff. Yeah. So I loved I loved panning the arena during the skills competition in the All-Star game. Yes, you've got uh, jerseys from every corner of the globe, and the people who you could tell, like, oh, this is where I get to break out my, my original Whalers jersey or the the Fistic Islander jersey. Like, okay, cool, strut your stuff. Uh, but then you also see your Charlestown Chiefs jersey, your, your Letterkenny jerseys. Uh, I saw someone wearing the Nevada Day Silver Knights jersey nice. during the uh, skills competition, so that was neat. So, yeah, we need to come up with more opportunities on the schedule for fans to break out their their best. Uh, On this day in 1976, Daryl Sittler scored 10 points uh, for the Toronto Maple Leafs uh, against the Boston Bruins. We say things out loud like that, and then Trevor Zegers is going to be like, okay, that's the next thing I have to do. Wow, people, okay, fine. (laughs) So we, we went through the entire 80s with two of the best players to ever play the game, offensive mm-hmm. players to ever play the game, in, in Wayne and Mario. And, Who did they overshadow? And <laughs> and Daryl's record of 10 points in a game still stands as the only player to hit double digits for points in a game. That tells me that that might be, now that, that Alex is on the run for the all-time goals list, yeah. 10 points in a game might be the one that is, is untouchable. And I'm hesitant to say that, but... If Wayne and Mario never did, I it. mean, you need to. What do you need to ha- for that to happen? You need to get ten points. That's hard enough. Your team needs to score ten times. That's yes. a rarity. If they score ten times, you have to be involved in every single one. Like mm-hmm. you, you almost realistically need someone to score thirteen goals to get a, a reasonable shot at that. But you're you're absolutely right. Of course, the Ovechkin chasing Gretzky's goal record. That's so exciting. Zdeno Chara is gonna catch Chris Chelios's record for all-time games played by a defenseman. I feel like we kind of lose that in the weeds. I agree. The the Daryl Sittler, what's fascinating about Daryl Sittler, and you, you're Canadian, 
uh, one standard deviation of a generation prior to mine, but I feel like we don't appreciate him enough. If you asked who had that record, or if you said 10 points in a game, Toronto, who was it? There's a lot of fans who would be like, oh, I remember seeing that yeah. history will be made commercial. Daryl Siddler to me feels almost like, a, as a New York guy, like, like Vic Hatfield. Vic Hatfield had an yes. amazing career, but we talk about Rod Gilbert and Jean Rattel first. I don't know if Daryl Sittler gets enough appreciation, and that's another great example because I saw on the big video board at Fanfare that made it into one of the documentaries they were playing. There's so much opportunity. The 80s were just so great. So good. There's so much awesome. The goalies were so bad. And, well, but, but that's where and, – and it was one of the things I touched on a little bit with Chelios, but it goes well beyond him. Uh, you look at Gretzky, uh, Coffey. The most impressive thing about them is that the game transformed three times over from their rookie season to their last season, Mario as well. And they stayed on top the other the, the, the whole time. So, yes, they were light years ahead of everyone else, and that's why Gretzky didn't have 200 points a year at the end of his career. But he was still the best. A 37-year-old Wayne Gretzky playing a game that, you know, offense shriveled was still putting up a point per game. That's what's most impressive about the all-time greats is that they didn't just help change the game. They changed themselves with it to stay on top. Who did you talk to at FanFest? So I got to talk to Derek Anglin first, which was great because I, I get to see Derek often enough. So uh, a lot of chat about the uh, you know the, the beginning of hockey in Vegas, the Wrangler days that uh, helped spawn it, the Wrangler and Thunder days, yeah. uh, but also his role here. He had a lot to do during uh, All-Star Weekend as well, a lot of ball hockey for Derek Anglin. I asked if he was going to be nervous being the passer for uh, accuracy shooting. Cause I feel he, like, he was in the fountains, too. Yes. I, I feel like I would be nervous doing the passing for the accuracy shooting, though, because it's not about you. Mm-hmm. But, but if you put three passes in someone's skates, you've ruined the all-star competition. So he said he, he enjoyed that. Um, but it was great to catch up with him. Chris Chelios, we had an hour. I think we could have gone for – well, I could have gone for four. Uh, but it was it – was, uh, How long could he have gone for? You know, we we went for forty five minutes, and he yeah. hung around for an extra fifteen to nice. twenty to do, to do pictures and autographs and stuff. That's that's the best thing too. Is you've got Hall of Famers who they're they're here for the weekend. They're here to meet the fans. Uh, they're not rushing off somewhere else. They're, what did you learn about Chris Chelios or a story from your conversation with Chris Chelios? I think one of the interesting things was his talking about Scotty Bowman, and a lot of the stuff is in his memoir too. But uh, the change for him from Chicago to Detroit where he had said for years when he was in Chicago that he'll never be a Red Wing, and then circumstances dictated that it was good for him to go there, and his sister was battling cancer, and that was another reason he wanted to go. Um, but it turned out to be a tremendous fit, um, and he was able to give a lot of insight onto just why Scotty Bowman was as special a coach as he was and how he communicated, and, and he was able to juxtapose that against his experiences in Detroit versus in Montreal where he didn't have Scotty Bowman, but Larry Robinson and a bunch of other of the Canadians' greats that were still there did. And how did Scotty change from when he was, uh, in Chris's words, a mean SOB in the beginning to a gentler communicator at the end? That was fascinating. He also talked about the World Cup of Hockey, which uh, in 1996 gets maybe a little overshadowed when we talk about the Olympics and Salt Lake and uh, not for Chris, but for other plays. It's not overshadowed from a Canadian perspective because it's still a bitter issue. Yeah, (laughs) and I I, I was seven years old at the time, but like what an injection for USA Hockey that was from a marketing perspective and growing the That was a big deal. And, And there's talk now that the World Cup of Hockey might be coming around again. Yeah. So w- what a great event that would be to get back on the calendar. But that was very interesting to hear through Chris's eyes and, and also the evolution of the American. He was part of the first wave of great American-born yeah. defensemen. Chelios, Leach, Housley, Suter, Hatcher, Schneider. N- name me great American-born defensemen before that wave. Not that there were none, but that was a golden era of American influence at that position. So it was fascinating. 
Uh, and then Phil Pritchard from the Hockey Hall of Fame, the, the keeper of the cup. I mean, that's – I could have just said, hey, Phil, how you doing, and handed the mic over, just let him tell stories because he's, uh, you know, he's been a, an integral part of the best day of every hockey player's life. Um, and he talked about some of the – he said the, the, the Stanley Cup has never been below the equator yet, so that's the next goal. So uh, I think if Pat Maroon wins a fourth time in a row, <laughs> he can't possibly have anyone left that he knows to bring it to. So take it to, yeah. Ecuador, take it to Ecuador, see what you can <laughs> – make some friends down there with it. Never been below the equator. He said it's never been below the equator, huh. which surprised and, – and it also made me feel really silly. Not silly, dumb. Because now I'm trying to just see the globe in my head. And, well, what's below the equator? And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, South America is but like, I don't know if – if Nathan Walker ever won, where's Australia? Is that is part of Australia below? Or? Yeah, no, you're right on the money. <laughs> and that's, you, you, you did well there. Like, which one would make the most sense? So uh, I would love to ask Chelios if, uh, if he's hooked up with Ron Hextall at all. Remember the battle in Montreal and Hextall yeah. go on a little... Now, you see, that, that's the thing. I've never met Chris before yesterday. Yeah. So I, I said, anything you want me to go towards or stay away from? He's like, nope, open book. Uh, you talked a little bit about uh, he, you know, he flirted with possible uh, Olympic bobsledding. You yeah. talked about that a little bit. The Hextall thing I thought about, and I said, you know what? That's not something you ask someone on their first... <laughs> <laughs> there, w- there wasn't a minefield to traipse through, but I didn't want to go looking for one. Like... <laughs> Hey, Chris, I have no idea if this is a touchy subject or not, but why don't you tell this room full of people about it? Remember that guy that uh, just went Snapzilla with you for Philadelphia? Uh, that was uh, – that was. let's talk about that. Uh, hey, Golden Knight fans, uh, need more hockey? Make sure to check out the newest team in town, the Henderson Silver Knights of the American Hockey League. Single-game group and mini-suite tickets for home games during the 2021-22 season on sale right now. So the back half of the season, get involved. Contact the Henderson Silver Knights ticketing team, 702 702- Six four five four two five nine, or visit hendersonsilvernights.com to learn more. Sean Shapiro from The Athletic is standing by. We'll also get you to the uh, line configurations for today's practice as the Vegas Golden Knights uh, skated and then departed for their two-game trip to Alberta. It's nighttime at noon on Fox Sports Las Vegas and the Vegas Golden Knights social media channels. Live from City National Arena, this is Nighttime at Noon on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Darren Millar, Brian McCormick, it's Nighttime at Noon from Studio 31 inside City National Arena. As uh, the buildup has uh, been accumulating throughout the show, here's Sean Shapiro from The Athletic who joined us off his trip to uh, Las Vegas. And uh, some of you may have heard during the commercial break, I was talking about fanfare yesterday and how the locals were just uh, bright-eyed, bush-tailed walking through fanfare. And, and then uh, the tourists, you could tell, had a long weekend in, in Vegas. We're, we're probably ready to go home. Uh, Sean, uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, where were you uh, in the mix of bright-eyed, bushy-tailed yesterday or uh, Vegas took a bite out of me? I was... Uh... I was probably about, I was closer to, I was, I was not local, but I was not tourist. I was probably a little bit, a little bit more in the middle. I mean, I also have two children who are three and one years old. So I also, I'm one of the few people who probably went there and also saw an opportunity to sleep a little bit more. So (laughs) I was, uh, I caught up a little bit on sleep that uh, my wife is jealous, was jealous of. So. <laughs> caught up on sleep in Las Vegas, and of course the other tourists who were in town didn't have to write articles about what they did every day either. So, uh, give us a, a sense. It's just overarching, and we'll get more specific. But how uh, All Star Weekend in Vegas went? There, the the All Star debut for the city. I thought it was great. I, I thought it was a obviously Vegas has handled many events tremendously, and it was. I, I thought from a perspective of with the in arena stuff to taking the, I thought the skills competition was to me, the skills competition has kind of become the, 
more entertaining part for myself of All-Star Weekend between, because the game, it's three on three and it's just okay. But the skills competition, taking the stuff outside to the fountains and shutting down the strip um, to kind of going a little bit over the top with the breakaway competition. I, I thought I thought it was great. I thought it fit the setting really well. I thought it was just something where City really delivered. I thought there was a really good fit for what you want kind of a mid-season break to be. And it also just seemed like the players really enjoyed it too, as opposed to there's other times where you sometimes you're at all-star games or all-star weekends and the players really aren't interested to be there. And I felt like there's a little more interest overall. So I, I thought it, I was really pleased and I had a good, and it was a good time. It was, it was, a, it was a really well done event. What was the highlight for you? So I, I got to be, for me, the highlight was I, I was one of the few people who got to be there for the filming of the pre-taped things on Thursday. So I got to, I was, I was able to be right on the strip when they were doing the, the 21 and 22 shootout for the cards and when the guys are shooting on the fountain and everything like that, the fountain thing was, that was cool. And it was really, really nice optic, but you couldn't really hear much, but so the 21 and 22 thing kind of being up close in front for them, that was pretty cool because I, they did a nice job editing it together, but it was really cool to hear the full 30, 40 minute conversation between Pavelski and Kadri and Matthews and, and, and Stamkos as they, as they were kind of going through and they were talking strategy and, and just kind of to see some of those, see that kind of on the strip. That, that, that for me was my favorite thing. And that's obviously not something everyone got to do um, aside as far as kind of seeing some of the stuff that maybe other people got to do. I thought they did a really just I thought this the skills I thought the breakaway challenge winner no I'm not supposed to say this on a, a Vegas show the winner may have been wrong but I thought brought the breakaway challenge back the right way it was fun it was dumb it was stupid and it also showed some skill at the same time yeah. who thought it, during the Olympics if we were going to talk about a, a, a controversial score from a judge we'd be talking about John Hamm at the skills yes. competition but uh, yes. with Sean Shapiro from the Athletic you got to do the, the behind the scenes of the the pre-tape segments which was really interesting. I think that was the the league recognizing what you just said. The All Star Game is is great, but the skills competition is where players are loose, maybe a little more competitive fire. They want to try to outdo each other, uh, a little chirping back and forth. So it is a, a great event for creativity, and we saw that. Do you think that now going forward, teams are going to have the expectation, or or maybe even their own desire? to have a, a highlight wrinkle of their market themselves. Does South Florida now need to do something on the beach with a surfer? Or I, I don't, I've never been to Miami. I don't know exactly what that would be, but is that going to be a wrinkle going forward now, do you think? Yeah, well, if, if you're in Miami, you're trying to be the all-star game, you're going to be in the wrong spot. They're not nearly as close as people think. But, the, <laughs> but there is definitely a... Uh, there is definitely, I think, now kind of a expectation. And I think the league is going to have this plan going forward of let's let's do something that's local to the market let's do something outside let's find something kind of a unique wrinkle that we can kind of put into each game and i don't i don't know what the florida twist will be but like i asked roman yossi over the weekend what he what he thought of the idea and he was saying like if they ever came to nashville he could think of some really fun things they could yeah. do in nashville they could set something they could, they could shoot catfish he was joking about and everything <laughs> like that and so i i think you're gonna see some things more like that and i also think you're also going to I was curious to see how it was going to go over as a pre-taped event. And I think it stuck the landing. I think there's a couple things you have to hammer out in the future and obviously doing it other in another place where you don't have to worry about shutting down as much as a high traffic place as the Vegas strip was. I think you'll be able to be able to stick the landing a little bit more, but 
from my perspective, from what this did, it kind of sets the table for it. Let's do something unique. Let's find something market specific. And that to me would be another reason you would tune into the skills competition where Yes, you want to watch the fastest skate or the hardest shot, but you're like, oh, it's in Florida. I want to see what they're going to do on the beach or if they're going to do this or that or wherever they go in the future. I, I think it fits. Like, I, I mean, I imagine um, I, I imagine with Seattle, like at some point Seattle will get an all-star game like Gary Bettman alluded to. You could do something with the, with the market, with the Pike Street market and everything. So I, I think it, I think there's a I, I think the bar is kind of set and the expectation is now there for the league to keep doing these unique things. There will be one out of arena event to every skills competition. I think, I think that's, that's the, the sort of the message that we, we take away from this, uh, from the skills yeah. uh, competition uh, inside the rink, just your opinion. If it doesn't happen that Trevor Zegras scores the goal or sets up the goal to uh, Sonny Milano. They call it a Zegra school. He didn't even score it, for goodness sake. And, uh, and, and the Michigan goal. Uh, do you think they bring the breakaway challenge back, or did, did one feed the other? I think the breakaway challenge was coming back before the Trevor Zegra goal. I'm pretty sure, from my understanding, I don't know the exact timeline, but I'm pretty sure that the, the, the breakaway challenge was already kind of in the mix before the Zegra's goal or the Zegra's assist happened. Um, but I do think the important lesson from Trevor Zegers being there is the fact that that was very NBA-esque of bringing a player to the skills challenge that wasn't on the all-star team. And I think that's something where I hope that, I hope that opens the doors for some things. Cause you look at, we now have this, like, for example, we have this puck and player tracking now, and we should be able to know, Hey, these are the guys who had the four hardest shots in the league so far, or these are the guys who have hit the four fastest speeds in the league so far. And, I would love to see kind of taking that optic of that opportunity of let's bring someone who's not in the all-star game to the skills competition of let's get the five guys over the hardest shot in the league so far and get a, put them in the hardest skater, hardest shot competition and just get that. I I, I hope it opens a door for that idea of let's get a little bit creative with that. And it's only and it. And you know what? And maybe that helps fill some of those spots where we feel a team's underrepresented or we have to have one guy from every team. Maybe that opens the door to, getting a little bit of those things covered and also getting maybe a true fastest skater in the league when it doesn't have to be everyone who has got all-star point numbers. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a fascinating point because if we're going to do a true hardest shot, Martin Furk is an NHL all-star, but he might have the hardest Correct. shot in the world. Let's see if you know there are female skaters who are taking part in events, and that's really cool for perspective. You know, Martin Furk or Jordan Cairo, he won the fastest skater, but a couple of years ago he set an AHL record just to have Anthony Greco break it five minutes later. Uh, th- that's a really interesting point. I, I wonder for, for you and for, for all fans, for a lot of fans, they, they know that Vegas is a, a great hockey market, but from afar, or maybe they came for a, a, a road trip with their buddies to see a game. For a lot of fans from around the world, this was their first time really immersing themselves in Vegas as a hockey city. Uh, and, of course, with the All-Star Game backdrop, a pretty good time to do it. From a reporter's standpoint, maybe you spent more time here than usual as well. I don't know if you got to get around town at all. Um, but a lot of Vegas hockey fans, a, a lot of hockey fans looking in at Vegas probably still see it as the arena on the strip. Did you get a sense of the, the larger footprint of, uh, of Vegas as a hockey market? Yeah, I did, and I don't know if you're intentionally setting me up for this or not, but I did get a tour of the. I did get to go see your new perch in Adam Henderson, and it's yeah, a beautiful perch. So I don't know if that was. <laughs> I don't know if that was well. I don't know if that was well. Or, or but I, I got I got a I got a tour of that new building, and that was that was pretty cool to see. And I, I think it's it's kind of funny. I was talking to a couple of other, uh, 
couple other writers on Saturday night after the All Star game, and we were kind of saying, "Can you imagine that? It's how, can you believe it's only they've only been in the league now for five years? Like it feels like it becomes such a staple, not just as a not not just as part of the NHL, but as a hockey market. And as as you look around, and there's a massive ball hockey tournament going on, and there's the they've they've branched out and grown it into the suburbs and and kind of turned it into a full full-blown hockey community it, it was cool to see kind of because i know obviously the practice facility you guys will have to correct my geography on this frac practice facility is on one side henderson is on the other side it kind of expands this whole like hockey footprint sure that, that was pretty neat to see and it, it's that's how you grow the sport that's how you continue to push the sport where it's not just um it's not just games on tv or at an arena on the strip it's becomes part of this everyday life where you see it all the time and so I think Vegas has done a great job with it. Like I saw, for example, I, I covered the Dallas Stars for a long time, and I saw how building those community rinks and getting out into the community helped to grow that hockey market, and then that into a into into a place where people actually care about the sport. And so I, I think Vegas is is even further ahead than than Dallas was this quickly. It's it's really impressive. I uh, heard things about uh, maybe League Media Day, which is traditionally held in uh, Chicago or New York or Toronto, mm-hmm. uh, possibly coming to Vegas next year, a World Cup. Uh, if they bring the World Cup back uh, because of the hockey uh, atmosphere and the footprint that's uh, been uh, handled here. Uh, the other part uh, is, Sean, uh, and last one for you, uh, the, the players bought in. Like, Zegris wasn't part of the All-Star game, and he showed up. Uh, and, and it goes across. You didn't have one of those traditional bailouts from a player and taking the one-game suspension that uh, we've seen other years. Yeah, and I, I think there's uh, – I don't know about – I don't know about every year, but like I feel like as you look at future All-Star weekends, I think the league needs to keep that in mind and kind of like, for example, the Super Bowl is never in a cold weather city, right? Like the Super Bowl, and if it is, it's in a dome city. There's a certain rotation of places the Super Bowl goes to. Like, I feel like the All-Star game probably be in something in some sort of unofficial rotation like that where you're going to a city and a play in places where players want to go and Vegas should be in that rotation. Should they get it every other year, every third year? Probably not. But if you're saying, Hey, there's probably a collection of four or five cities where our players really would want to go during the year. I feel like Vegas should be kind of in that rotation more often. Um, another, another thing you guys would be doing just as a completely random thought between having if the United States ever got world junior, got world junior again between yeah, yeah. Vegas and between T-Mobile and Henderson, you'd be able to, you'd have a great setting for USA Canada games down on the strip and some of those smaller games, not smaller games, but those games that typically draw a little less in Henderson, it would, I mean, it's, it's, you've a really good hockey set up there. That's a great point, Sean, the world juniors or even the, uh, the, the regional games in frozen fours where they're looking uh, for good buildings. There, there's a lot of uh, opportunity and well, we're looking for any excuse for you to come back as often yeah. as you can. So, uh, thanks for hopping on with us, Sean. We appreciate Sean Shapiro from The Athletic, and uh, hopefully we have uh, reason to see you again in uh, the playoffs. Hey, uh, Sean, how old do your kids have to be where you don't come to get rest in Vegas, where you'll actually <laughs> go out and, and, and shake it a little bit? Uh, if if I had just the three-year-old, it probably would have been fine. Okay. It's The issue is that the little guys turned one in November, and he sleeps through the night about 
third night. So that's the issue. <laughs> this explains so much because Sean and I know each other from, from his AHL days, and we were racking our schedules trying to find a chance to get lunch this weekend. I was like, lunch? And now I understand he's in bed by, by 1030. Yeah, it's <laughs> full on nap. Uh, thanks, pal. Uh, well done. Uh, great analysis. And uh, I'm glad that you got a chance to, to uniquely uh, see behind the scenes of that, uh, that strip, uh, the fountain face-off and the 21 and 22. Really cool stuff. Yeah, thanks a lot, guys. I appreciate it. Sean Shapiro, who actually was uh, on hold with us for a little bit longer and uh, and stuck with us. Uh, appreciate that uh, as well. Be one of the first to join the Vegas Nighthawks family. Secure your seat selection priority today by placing a refundable $20 deposit at nighthawksfootball.com. You've heard the commercials. Brian McCormick narrating those. They're awesome. Full season membership will start at just $10 per ticket per game at the brand new Dollar Loan Center located in Henderson. Sean Shapiro got a tour of it. It's a magnificent facility. Uh, back with the line combinations from today's practice at the Golden Knights uh, workout ahead of the games in Edmonton and Calgary on Fox Sports Las Vegas and the Vegas Golden Knights social media channels. We're back to nighttime at noon on your home for the Vegas Golden Knights, Fox Sports Las Vegas. More hockey talk coming up later on. Insider Show, but we continue nighttime at noon, your weekly check-in with the Vegas Golden Knights broadcasters, along with the voice of the Henderson Silver Knights, Brian McCormick, Darren Millard, inside City National Arena at Studio 31. For exclusive Vegas Golden Knights gear, visit one of the Golden Knights official team store locations, the Armory, located at T-Mobile Arena, the Arsenal, location at City National Arena, or our website, VegasTeamStore.com, or on social media at gear you've got delivery over at lifeguard arena uh no reason why you don't have the official team gear because it's uh, all there it's right there in your lap and uh waiting for you to put on uh, vegas golden knights the nhl announced a new ball hockey rink in, in las vegas so that's uh, a legacy project as we call it in the business uh the all-star game is held here and it leaves behind a, a great footprint uh, for kids to go out uh, there's a great ball hockey event in henderson on friday night where more than 300 kids got a ball hockey kit and uh, go home and try their skills uh, because skating's uh, darren elliott said this best skating's hard so if you can get the skills and get the passion for the game playing ball hockey, you can take that to the rink. For sure. You know, it's the one thing I tell people when they talk about playing hockey, especially with kids. Like, you got to skate before you can handle the puck and, and, and everything else that is entailed with the game. Like, you almost have to learn how to walk all over again when you start playing hockey. So, yeah, when you can get kids with a stick in their hand, what a great way to introduce them. And, and also, like, how cool was it you got to do the, the ball hockey stuff by Lifeguard Arena because – I'm a grown man now. I walk past the slide and the swings and the monkey bars, and I have no, you know, it doesn't call to me at all, but I walk past a ball hockey rink. I'm like, I want to yeah. go out and play. <laughs> so what a, what a fun playground for uh, for all ages. Predominantly the kids, but, I mean, if it's not occupied, I might I might go out there and shoot around. You go play ball hockey for a little bit, and then you realize there's no gliding in ball hockey. It gets a lot harder <laughs> yes. than when you're a kid. I've, I've got stone hands to begin with, but if I have to, like, <laughs> just be jockeying back and forth as I go, that's... I'm an off-the-glass-and-out guy, whether it's on the ice or uh, on the pavement. Golden Knights are back at it. Uh, this is what was designated as the three weeks for the Olympic break uh, for the Beijing Games, but the NHL not participating. So the Golden Knights uh, are going to play a couple of games, uh, making up those uh, that were postponed uh, in and around uh, Christmas. Uh, so they've got a couple of uh, games against Edmonton and Calgary coming up uh, this week, Tuesday and Wednesday, and then face uh, Colorado, Los Angeles, and San Jose. Uh, I want to tell you that uh, the lines today were back to normal. Stevenson between. Uh, the two big wingers, the Misfits. Then you had Nick Waugh with Evgeny uh, Dodonov and Matthias Janmark. The fourth line was Brett Howden was out there. Mm. 
Uh, and your fifth line, per se, was uh, Patrick, uh, Mario, and Jack Eichel, who is out of the non-contact sweater. Brett Howden, he had a really nice surge right before the All-Star break. See what kind of lightning he can catch. Uh, he's played himself into a position where when they've got 15 forwards, he's one of the guys in. Very we'll see much what, so. the, what yeah. the lineup is uh, like tomorrow. Uh, this has been fun. I love hanging out with you. Uh, every chance I get to, to spend some time with Brian McCormick, it's awesome. Uh, again, we've got the VGK Insider Show coming up uh, in a little bit. Uh, more hockey talk on Fox Sports Las Vegas as we track the Vegas Golden Knights heading to Alberta for games against Calgary and Edmonton.